Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on Filled with Messages today. If you don't know me, my name is Ruth Farrell, and one of the things I do is pastor uh, St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. I counted till they danced so their slippers leaped the town, and then I took a pencil to note the rebels down. And then I grew so jolly I did resign the prig, and ten of why once stately toes are marshaled for a jig. Emily Dickinson's poem, Snowflakes, so delightfully expresses the joy of snow. When we choose not to think about the headaches of snow, but instead enjoy its playfulness, it has an extraordinary ability to bring a smile to our face and happiness to our hearts, even to make our oftentimes proper controlled controlled toes begin to dance a jig. In today's scripture passage, the psalmist is looking for joy. Not just the happiness that comes from snowflakes leaping the town, but deep down in his soul joy. He knows he has made choices in his life that were not right. He knows they have impacted his relationship with himself, his relationship with others, his relationship with God. He knows he needs to acknowledge his poor choices so his relationships can be set right. And then he can again experience the joy of healthy community. Hear these words from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your faith, unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, quiet our hearts and our minds so that we can hear you speaking to us, loving on us, nudging us towards health and joy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Throughout the centuries, confession has often been abused by the church. Perhaps you come from a tradition where you were forced to confess aloud to another person who judged your behavior and assigned you penance. Possibly your Christian tradition emphasized confession because they believed in the quote-unquote total depravity of humans. In other words, they believe that people are inherently sinful or bad. Maybe you experience pain through some other experience of or teaching about confession. Oftentimes, confession in the church has been focused on seemingly made-up quote-unquote sins. I spent time in a Christian community which believed that dancing with the opposite sex was a sin unless you were married or it was square dancing and until the year after I left that community, at which point it was suddenly deemed not a sin anymore. Roll your eyes a million times here. For decades before my time there, the same Christian community believed that playing cards was a sin which required confessing, but by the time I arrived, it was permissible. Perhaps in your faith tradition, you had to confess listening to rock and roll because, of course, if you play a record backwards, it might make you suddenly start to worship Satan. Again, roll your eyes here with me. More seriously, maybe a faith community to which you belonged forced you to confess to something they deemed a sin, but is inherently a part of the person God created you to be. Because confession has so often been a painful part of our experiences in the church, many of us understandably shy away from it. We understandably don't want to participate in something that triggers us. When we are triggered, it indicates something that needs to be healed. Some of us need to heal specific pain which was inflicted upon us by those who use confession as a weapon against us. If you would like help on that journey, I would be glad to walk alongside you and, if appropriate, connect you with a mental health professional who can do so as well. We can also work to heal our understanding of confession itself because there is value in confession when it is employed gently and healthfully. Psalm 51 is perhaps the most famous confessional psalm. King David was clearly in agony as he wrote these words. He was also extremely anxious. His words and places are hyperbolic. For instance, David writes, Against you, you only have I sinned. Although we know from context that David had sinned against quite a few people at this point in his story. David was human, and when humans are in distress, we speak from our emotional center rather than our logical one. There's nothing wrong with this. It's simply the way we humans work. Even through David's distress, several key ideas emerge that can help us reform and hopefully begin to heal our understanding of confession. Perhaps most importantly, confession is often seen as a way to assuage a vengeful God. Put perhaps too bluntly, if you don't confess your sins, God's going to get you. But David's description of God's character is exactly the opposite of this. David describes God as merciful. The root of the Hebrew word David uses for mercy is womb. Scholars often describe the mercy David ascribes to God as womb love. It's the love a mother has for her yet-to-be-born child. David knows God has womb love for him, for all God's children. 
He's so secure in his belief that God has womb love for him that he brings it to God's attention. Don't forget your womb love for me, God, David prays. The hymn continues, according to your faithful love. Faithful love is this wonderful Hebrew word, chesed, which has no direct English equivalent. It's the love people have for each other when they're in relationship with each other. It's the love Ruth in the biblical book by the same name has for Naomi, which causes Ruth to leave everything she knows, to risk her safety and reputation and future, to protect and provide for her mother-in-law Naomi, to whom Ruth owed nothing. Chesed is a faithful love which weathers all the storms that happen in relationships, because let's be honest, even the healthiest relationships face storms. In the Old Testament, it's one of the primary descriptions of God's love for people. God has faithful love for us because we're in a relationship with God. Not a casual acquaintance sort of relationship, but a long-term, best friends, known each other since kindergarten, married for 50 years sort of relationship. It's a relationship that is thoroughly committed and virtually impossible to break irrevocably. David's confession in Psalm 51 reminds us that our God isn't a cold, detached, vengeful, otherworldly deity. When we confess our shortcomings, we are sharing with a God who loves us like a mother loves her yet-to-be-born child. We confess to a God who is our friend, one with whom we've been in relationship all our lives. It's safe to confess to God because God loves us in these ways. Another way Psalm 51 helps us understand confession from a gentle, healthy perspective is the idea that it cleanses us. Much as we might prefer to ignore it, none of us are perfect. That does not mean that we aren't lovely and wonderful and beautiful too. It just means that if we're willing to be honest, that there are times when we miss the mark. Sometimes it's completely obvious to us where we've missed the mark. For instance, sometimes we say things intending to wound someone else, and we know that's not right. Other times we've learned we've missed the mark because someone points it out to us. This is what happened to David in the context of Psalm 51. At other times, the culture in which we've been raised, the privilege we have, blinds us to how we've missed the mark until we hear stories of those against whom we have sinned. For instance, those of us who are, in, or who are white hopefully listen closely to the stories we hear from our black and brown neighbors and learn that our country, and therefore we, have sinned in failing to see and change the systemic racism in our country and, and therefore in us. Just because we struggle to understand our sin doesn't mean we're not guilty of it. When we see our guilt, we often feel shame. Famed social scientist Brene Brown describes shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. When we confess to the God who loves us with womb love, with faithful love, 
It washes us clean, not just of our guilt. It also offers us a pathway to healing our shame because it reminds us that God believes we are worthy of love and belonging. If shame, as Dr. Brown's work also shows, corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change, when God washes us clean with womb love, with faithful love, it tells our shame, you have no place here. This person is loved and cherished and belongs and can change and also be the change they want to see in the world. Perhaps the last major focus of David's confession in Psalm 51 is the joy of a healthy relationship. David confesses his sin, reminds God of God's womb love and faithful love, begs God to wash him clean because he wants to be restored to a joyful, healthy relationship with God. A joyful and by implication healthy relationship is David's goal in confessing. Interestingly, David never tries to bargain with God in this psalm. He doesn't tell God, I promise I'll do better in the future. He simply pleads with God to forgive him so that they can be right with each other and experience the joy of being in right relationship with one another once again. The focus of Psalm 51 is David's relationship with God. He doesn't explicitly speak of his need to ask forgiveness of others he's harmed, but it's there somewhat implicitly. When David asks God to purify him with hyssop, he's alluding to the first step certain people in his community had to take if they were quote-unquote unclean before they could be allowed back into their communities. While deemed unclean, these folks had to live outside the community's camp. They could have no physical contact with their loved ones or anyone else in the community. When they were ready to go through the process of being designated quote-unquote clean again, the first thing that happened was a priest came and purified them with hyssop, which is a plant. Once they completed several other steps, they were finally allowed to return home to be filled with the joy of being surrounded by loved ones. When we have sinned against others, we may not be physically separated them like folks were sometimes in David's day, but we are emotionally and spiritually separated from them. One of the gifts of admitting to God how we've missed the mark is that God's love begins to free us from our shame, which empowers us to go seek the forgiveness of others we've wronged. Unlike with God, there's no guarantee the person we hurt will forgive us. Or while they may choose to forgive us, they may not be able to trust us at least for a while. But at least the potential for experiencing joyful, healthy community with them is a possibility again. If you have been hurt by the abuse of confession, I am under no illusions that one message will heal that. My heart breaks with yours. I empathize with your pain. And I also pray you might begin to reimagine that confession could be not just safe, but also freeing and empowering and leading to joy if shared with our womb love, faithful love God. Thanks so much for joining me today, friend. God's grace and peace be with you. Talk to you soon. Bye.